Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Josh Hammer Show. It has been weeks since the atrocities of October 7th, 2023. The Hamas Holocaust, if you will. The biggest slaughter of the Jewish people since the defeat of Nazi Germany 78 years ago. This conflict is not winding down anytime soon. On the contrary, earlier this week, the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, has decisively renounced the possibility of a ceasefire. This has not stopped leftists, the kumbaya hippie types, the kind of ponytailed Birkenstock wearing dweebs who were there in the summer of 69. This has not stopped all those idiots from congregating en masse all throughout the Western world. Just this past Thursday or Friday, we saw the so-called Jewish Voice for Peace group infiltrate into Grand Central Station in Manhattan. These folks, frankly, are neither Jewish nor do they want peace. I would hazard a guess that a shockingly small percentage of them are actually Jewish, frankly. And they don't want peace for a very simple reason. It's the same reason that Benjamin Netanyahu, despite saying that he does not want to cease fire, is actually pro-peace. And the reason for that is because as counterintuitive as it may be to the leftist mentality, there is no possibility whatsoever of peace in this region, of reconciliation more broadly between Israel and the Palestinian Arabs, perhaps between Israel and the broader Arab world, although that's a more complicated question, unless Hamas goes. There is no path to peace through which you have a genocidal Islamist death cult, which is indistinguishable, theologically, pragmatically, any which way you put it, from ISIS, Al-Qaeda, you name it. We learned just earlier this week, just to kind of paint a very vivid and admittedly graphic picture of what the Hamas pogrom of October 7th looked like. We learned earlier this week of one particular family that was slaughtered. The jihadists put a gun into the mouth of a father. They then took the couple's baby, put the baby into the oven, and turned the oven on. They then raped the man's wife, murdered her, and then pulled the trigger on the gun in the man's mouth after he had watched all of that happen. Folks, I don't have words to describe this. The English language is a wonderful language. It actually fails at a time like this. To call these people animals, 
would be far, far, far too unkind to animals themselves. Frankly, from a certain perspective, to even call this modern-day Nazism, I don't even know if that does it justice. For all of the unspeakable atrocities committed by the Nazis during the war, from the gas chambers of Auschwitz to the mass slaughter in the ravines of Babiar in Ukraine and everything in between in the forests of Poland and whatnot, this sheer level of depravity and outright evil is something that I have never seen, frankly, in my entire life. Even the ISIS atrocities did not reach this level. So let's be very clear here. Despite all that you are seeing around the world, the perverse fact that Israel's righteous and correct response to this genocidal jihadism has somehow resulted in a generational spike in Jew hatred, despite all of that, Israel cannot be more unified on what it has to do here. They are going to get the job done in Gaza. Now, it has taken them a few weeks to actually start the ground incursion into Gaza. I think a lot of folks were saying, what's the holdup? And there's a lot of reasons for that. Part of it, of course, is the fact that Joe Biden, despite his sound rhetoric at the beginning of the conflict, has quite clearly started to take a turn, egged on, no doubt, by his leftist base, egged on, no doubt, by the fact that there is some anecdotal evidence suggesting that the Muslim American population may be decreasing its support for him in the aftermath of his initial strong rhetorical backing for Israel against the Hamas Nazis. But he clearly has started turn. He's most certainly putting a lot of pressure on Prime Minister Netanyahu and the Israeli security intelligence brass behind the scenes. But recall also that before Israel sent the tanks actually rolling into Gaza, this is serious urban warfare. For those of you who remember the Bush administration well, think of Fallujah. Think of Al-Anbar province. This is urban combat. This is intense stuff with all of the booby traps, the rigging, the snipers from the rooftop, all of that bloody, gory stuff that that entails. So, sure, it probably did make sense for the IDF to start engaging in some massive airstrikes to take out these buildings where the terrorists could be from the rooftops of. But that invasion is now fully on. And it's going to continue for as long as it takes to get the job done. Interestingly, Hezbollah, which is a much greater military threat than Hamas, it is a direct Iranian proxy. It is a Shiite terrorist organization that is active not merely in the Levant and the Eastern Mediterranean, but frankly, all throughout the world. Hezbollah is all throughout Europe. They are actually all throughout our own hemisphere. In South and Central America, Hezbollah has many historical connections to many of the most gruesome Mexican drug cartels, actually, in northern Mexico. Hezbollah is active all along the U.S.-Mexico border. Hezbollah seemingly has been waiting to get in on the action, and they have a massive arsenal. They have between 100 and 150,000 estimated precision-guided missiles that dwarfs Hamas's own arsenal. That was certainly a fear from the IDF as well. They have thus far not really gotten in on the action yet. Unclear why that is the case. But we do know that the head of the snake, the Islamic Republic of Iran, seems to be chomping at the bit to get involved here. 
they are threatening that the IRGC, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, could directly start engaging in Gaza, in Israel. Many Iranian terrorist proxies have been raining down missiles on U.S. air bases in the region, in Syria and Iraq in particular. The U.S. has started to respond in kind. The U.S. says that it is unrelated to Israel's own offensive in Gaza. Hard to separate the two, frankly. It really is part of one fight. It is a fight against Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, which are largely, frankly, from this perspective, indistinguishable from one another. The million-dollar question from a United States perspective is, what is this going to look like from a U.S. national interest perspective over the next few weeks, potentially over the next few months? I mean, God knows how long. Right now, there is no role for the U.S. in the Eastern Mediterranean other than multiple aircraft carrier striker groups serving as a strong deterrent and high-ranking intelligence special ops people on the ground, Delta Force, JSOC, folks like that, assisting the Israelis in hostage evacuation, stuff like that. I do not think that that is going to change anytime soon. So with respect to the people who still, a few weeks in this conflict, are triumphantly pounding their chest and yelling, America first, as this goes on here, as American citizens continue to be held hostage in the subterranean terror tunnels underneath Gaza, to those folks, get bent, sober up, and realize that this is the bare minimum that the United States ought to do for one of its most prized allies in a time of existential crisis. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The Josh Hammer Show. As we just mentioned, the reaction to this war, and it is a full-scale war, has been the exact opposite of what someone guided by any sense of morality, of virtue, of justice, any sense of good and evil. The reaction around the globe thus far has been something roughly approximating the opposite of what someone who is well-grounded in those traits might have otherwise expected. Sure, the initial support was out there 
Biden, Emmanuel Macron, Rishi Sunak, the major Western powers signed on to this statement of support right out of the gate. We saw various other signs like the legislatures across Western countries put up the Israeli flag in solidarity. We, we, we saw all that kind of symbolic stuff at first. But here we are just a few weeks in, and the tide has already started to turn. And in particular, it has started to turn with the absolute worst Jew hatred, the absolute worst anti-Semitism that I have seen in my entire lifetime. It is all freaking over. Joseph Massad, a Columbia University professor, described the quote-unquote innovative Palestinian resistance. He called it quote-unquote awesome. 1,400 dead Israelis, four to 5,000 more wounded. An Ivy League professor there calling it quote awesome. Russell Rigford, a professor at Cornell University, another Ivy League school, said that he thought it was quote-unquote exhilarating. Speaking of Cornell, they had campus-wide group chat, some sort of Reddit-like internal feed up there in Ithaca, New York, where people were literally calling to track Jewish students home and kill them. The FBI has gotten involved. The governor of New York has gotten involved. Cornell is a university with a historically very large Jewish population. This has been all over the country. So-called Students for Justice in Palestine chapters, SJP, an organization that has a long and inglorious connection to such radical organizations as AMP, American Muslims for Palestine, which itself has historical connections to the Muslim Brotherhood and, frankly, Hamas itself. SJP has put out the most vile filth you can imagine, praising their quote-unquote martyrs at George Washington University, another school with with a historically large Jewish population. Student jihadists, pro-jihad students, projected harrowing words onto the side of the school library saying, glory to our martyrs. At Cooper Union in New York City, Jewish students were locked into a library as pro-Hamas demonstrators are banging on the door, chanting the genocidal annihilationist creed de corps of from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free, which is translation for murder all the Jews in Israel. The NYPD ended up having to evacuate those students via underground tunnel in a library at Cooper Union New York City. You can't make this crap up. You can't do it. I'm looking around. I cannot believe what is happening. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people marching in the streets of London, Paris, all these major European powers that have let in millions and millions of refugees, of immigrants, migrants, from the broader Muslim world under the absolutely delusional, delusional notion that borders are anachronistic, that all cultures are equal, and that we can just compensate, in this case for Europe's very low birth rate, by importing lots and lots 
of third world's migrants who do not share our religion, our values, our way of life, or frankly anything for that matter, and that we will be okay. In America, it's not a whole lot better. There was a harrowing poll that I saw maybe a week or two ago. 57.5% of American Muslims believe that the Hamas Holocaust of October 7th was at least, quote-unquote, somewhat justified. They used to say that the American Muslim population was more moderate and less radical than many others across the world, including Europe. Query whether that is still the case. These marches, these town halls in Dearborn, Michigan, towns like that with large Arab populations where they are waving in mass the, the so-called Palestinian flag, the new Nazi swastika, and chanting those genocidal annihilationist calls. This really is the final nail in the coffin of the idea that all cultures are equal and that mass migration and globalist open borders immigration policies are somehow anything other than an absolutely terrible idea. There actually is a very long and inglorious track record of leading radical Islamist clerics who actually have encouraged mass immigration as a way of spreading the jihad. The so-called blind sheikh, Omar Abdel Rahman, he, he actually said this for years. He was fairly explicit. He counseled immigration to the West. He said this is one of the most effective ways you can go ahead and spread your message. Well, the chickens now are home to roost. There are monsters in our midst. There are civilizational enemies embedded all throughout within us. In downtown Fort Lauderdale, Florida, not terribly far from where I live this past weekend on Sunday, there was a huge pro-Hamas rally. This sentiment is everywhere. What do we do about it? That really is kind of the million-dollar question. Defunding these godforsaken universities of every penny imaginable has to be an absolute bare minimum start. Unfortunately, it goes deeper than that because a lot of these kids are brainwashed by the time they even set foot on the university campus. But these Middle Eastern Studies and Near East Studies Department in particular are just festering festering eyesores of loathsome Jew hatred at this point. They should not be getting a single penny of taxpayer dollars. Another thing that this comes to, that that bears to mind here, big tech has a major role to play. The algorithms on Twitter and other social media functions are, other social media companies are clearly, Clearly tipping the scales in favor of pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas speech and suppressing anti-Israel speech. The stats on TikTok are wild. The amount of pro-Palestinian propaganda out there. This definitely further strengthens, strengthens the argument for banning TikTok above what it previously was. Direct legislative action at the state level when it comes to education is also called for. So Ron DeSantis here in Florida has once again helped lead the charge. He called on Florida to outright ban 
Students for Justice in Palestine chapters at University of Florida, USF, other schools here, because they are openly stating that they are acting in furtherance of Hamas, of pro-Hamas activities, which, of course, Hamas is a U.S.-recognized terrorist organization. So, yes, every governor who has any moral backbone whatsoever should be trying to ban so-called SJP right now. We have a very long road to go, tragically, when it comes to Jew hatred. It is the world's ancient form of bigotry. It is probably never going to go away. If there is any modicum of solace to be had, it is that right now, unlike the depths of Nazi depravity in the Shoah, the Jews have a state and the Jews have an army. That, if nothing else, does make it quite a bit different. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Josh Hammer Show. So the news out of the Middle East has obviously had a profound impact and not necessarily a beneficial one on what has been happening here on the home front over the past few weeks. We've spent a lot of time on the show discussing it, but there is a lot else happening on the home front as well. We're in the midst, lest you forget, of a presidential primary season. And it's actually now a formal presidential primary season on both sides. So if you recall, Robert... F. Kenny Jr. was running an insurgent primary challenge against the incumbent, President Joe Biden, the doddering dolt from Delaware. And then Kennedy decided to go independent. And Biden himself now actually has a direct primary challenge from a sitting Democratic congressman from the Minneapolis area of central Minnesota. He's, his name is Dean Phillips. He's, he's relatively New congressman comes from a moderately Democratic district, not a super moderate guy necessarily if you look at his voting record. I mean, maybe he's a little more moderate than the pro-Hamas, pro-BLM, Western civilization hating anarchists who comprise the so-called squad, folks like AOC, Rashida Tlaib, and Ilhan Omar. That's really not saying a heck of a lot. I don't think Dean Phillips is a super moderate guy. Rather, if you pay attention to what Congressman Dean Phillips of Minnesota is saying, what he is actually going for here is he is trying to challenge Joe Biden for the very simple reason, frankly, that Joe Biden just isn't up to the task. I mean, dude just doesn't have what it takes. I mean, sir, you are in your 80s and you sound awful. No disrespect to to old people here, but yeah, like a little disrespect to you in particular because things are not going particularly well, if you haven't noticed. 
The economy is still rated by Americans as being absolutely awful. Inflation reached 40-year highs last year. Real-time wages are simply not keeping up with inflation. They have been going down the tubes here, the open, the wide-open southern border, as bad as it gets. We just found out that we had well over 150 People on the terrorist watch list that were apprehended at the border in the last fiscal year, and if that's who was apprehended, then God knows how many got in here. This is happening at a time of global unrest and turmoil from China to eastern Ukraine and Russia to everything happening in the Middle East. And what Dean Phillips is basically saying to Joe Biden is you are just simply not up to the task of leading the United States through all of this, given the current state of your mental and indeed even physical capacities. I don't think it's going to catch on. I do not suspect that Dean Phillips is the guy for Democrats to kind of rally around when it comes to trying to depose Joe Biden. I, I, I could be wrong, but I would be very surprised. I mean, he's first of all, he's a white dude. I mean, like, like, like he's that definitely cuts against you when it comes to the Democratic Party these days. And it's one of the many reasons why I have always been at least a little skeptical of the Gavin Newsom talk. I mean, yes, Gavin Newsom is very far to the left. Yes, he sounds a lot of the right notes when it comes to what Democrats these days like. But again, guys, I mean, like he is a white man and this is a political party and a political movement that frankly just hates white men. Maybe Dean Phillips will at least open the door for others to start getting in there and, and challenging Joe Biden. I don't think the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, is ultimately going to indulge Dean Phillips and get to an open debate where Biden, Phillips, and who, who knows who else can go ahead and then hash it out. I guess we will see on that. As for RFK Jr., you know, if you if you look at the three-way polling here on, on Real Clear Politics, the great polling aggregator, you know, RFK, as an independent, polls pretty well. So his average over the past four polls that include him, averaging 15.3%. I mean, he's as high as 22% in the Harvard-Harris poll that ended a week and a half ago or, or, or so. That's really high, frankly, for a third-party candidate. No one in American presidential politics has gotten that high running as independent, going, going back at least as far as Ross Perot in the 1990s. The question that many are asking is, does the Kennedy support impact Biden or Trump more? Whose base of support does it more infringe upon? Does it more undermine? And there are two ways to look at this question. There is kind of the more straightforward path, which is the idea that he was running as a Democrat, RFK Jr., and, oh, by the way, his name is Kennedy. His uncle was the iconic Democratic president, JFK. His father was the iconic Democratic attorney general, RFK. And that, therefore, viewed through that straightforward prism, we could expect his, his independent presidential bid to more negatively affect Joe Biden, the Democrat, than Trump. And then there, of course, is the other way, wherein... Kennedy is running as an outside populist, anti-establishment, anti-ruling class, anti-Davos, anti-Klaus Schwab. He's running really as kind of an insurgent who opposed the COVID regime, who was a, a great vaccine skeptic. And from all that perspective, maybe he, there's actually more of kind of a, a, of a Trumpy 
element as the Republican Party is kind of really kind of, uh, you, know, you know, further down this kind of more blue collar populist anti-establishment contrarian mentality in recent years, most of which I, I support, to be clear. Maybe there's an argument that RFK further impinges upon either Trump support or if Trump's not the nominee, the Republican support. It's really mixed. I mean, we don't have a ton of, of, of cross polling on this, not a ton of, of cross tams that I've seen in national polling showing second place. But that which I have seen does actually seem to indicate that RFK would actually undermine Biden a little more than than Trump or whoever the Republican is if they do make it to the ultimate finish line together and RFK stays on the whole way there. Really, really interesting stuff. I mean, frankly, counterintuitive, I think, for many. But that was kind of my guess all along. And thus far, the minimum polling that I have seen does, I think, really kind of play out and verify that sentiment that I had that Kennedy might actually hurt Biden more than Trump. Speaking of Trump and the Republicans, so they had a a, a big conference out in Las Vegas this weekend. It was the the RJC's conference, the Republican Jewish Coalition, which is held every year in Las Vegas because that's where Sheldon Adelson used to live. He passed away, of course, a few years ago. His wife, Miriam Adelson, still lives there. And virtually all of the major Republican presidential candidates, you know, swept through Las Vegas, made their big speeches. Donald Trump himself was there. Fairly rare for him at this point to kind of go out on on the campaign trail. He's been content to mostly stay in Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach and just tweet out his frustrations and all of his legal drama and so-called Ron the Sanctimonious and all of that juvenile banter. But no, even Trump made it out there to Las Vegas. The big news from Las Vegas when it comes to the Republican presidential primary is that Mike Pence is out. So the former vice president, Mike Pence, aptly and correctly announced that this is not his time, that his time on the debate stage, his time in Iowa, kind of going from community center to community center, church to church, meeting people, shaking hands, doing all that stuff. It has convinced him that this is not his time. And, you know, kudos to Mike Pence for having the self-awareness, frankly, to realize that. It is it is late October. I mean, it is not particularly late on the calendar. He could have kind of played this thing out till Iowa or maybe even South Carolina or something like that if he really wanted to. So I give him a lot of credit. I, I, I really do, actually. And I I only wish that more folks would follow his lead in having the self-awareness to realize that this is just so clearly not their time. You know, Larry Elder also announced that he was suspending his presidential campaign. Larry didn't actually qualify for any of the debates. It was never, frankly, obvious to me why, why Larry was doing this. I happened to personally like Larry quite a bit. Very smart, very nice guy, but it was totally unclear why he was running for president. So he suspended his campaign. Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami, who I am not the biggest fan of, I, I nonetheless do give him credit for having previously suspended his campaign as well. What, what about Asa Hutchinson, who did not even qualify for the most recent Republican presidential debate? Why are you still in this race? What purpose are you possibly serving for still being in this race? Doug Burgum of North Dakota very similar thing. I mean, what are you actually trying to accomplish? Uh, Governor Burgum's message is very milquetoast, standard Republican boilerplate, a lot of talk about cutting taxes, 10th Amendment federalism, a lot of kind of the standard issue Republican talking points, totally unclear to me 
what at this point he is trying to accomplish by staying in there. Tim Scott also should totally get out of here. Tim Scott's war chest has been depleted. He has burned through, it seems like, virtually all the money that has come his way from Larry Ellison, his former mega donor. I have no idea, frankly, what Tim Scott is doing in this race. At this point, really the only folks besides Donald Trump who should be in the race possibly are as few as just the next two in the polls, which would be Ron DeSantis of Florida and Nikki Haley of South Carolina. If you wanted to throw a bone to the absolute charlatan Vivek Ramaswamy, who I just genuinely cannot stand, maybe, but you know his polling has tended to slip quite a bit from its peak maybe a month and a half, two months ago or so. So he, if he had any self-awareness, which he doesn't because he thinks that he's a messianic figure, his ego is more through the roof than anyone I've ever seen in all politics, and there are a lot of egotists in politics. But if he had any self-awareness, he would get out too. And then we would finally get that Haley-DeSantis debate for who should actually be the one to take on Donald Trump. You would kind of get that older school, boomer con, 1980s era mentality and Nikki Haley and the kind of newer, savvier approach of Ron DeSantis. Look, uh, they have to figure this out quickly, because at this point, there's not a whole lot, frankly, to discuss here. At this point right now, Donald Trump looks like he's going to run away with this thing. The only thing that could change the conversation, and we had on Steve Dace of Iowa on this show recently, the only thing that could change the conversation is if DeSantis pulls it out in Iowa, due per, I would expect in part due to the possible future endorsement of the extremely popular governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds there. Governor Reynolds, I don't know what you're waiting for. This is the time for you to come out there, and if you're going to do it, you're going to do it, because it's got to be now. You've got to make your move. You've got to put the full weight of your political apparatus there in Des Moines, Iowa. You too, Bob Vanderplatz. All of the Iowa leaders who do not want to see Trump Get behind Ron DeSantis right now if you want any chance to stop Trump. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Josh Hammer Show. It's ah! Hammer Time. Go! Commerce Department requires DEI loyalty oath for employment. So this is a new memo obtained by the Daily Signal. It's an indispensable publication of the Heritage Foundation. 
According to the Daily Signal, if the hard-nosed economists at Commerce don't preach about institutional racism or display their preferred personal pronouns in their bios, they will face adverse action from their superiors. So essentially, the conduct of United States Commerce Department administrative flunkies is now being judged through the prism of DEI, and those who fail to abide by the tenets of the DEI regime will face negative repercussions when it comes to employee performance reviews. Look, if there is one thing that the left has understood for decades and decades and decades, so much better than the right has, it has been a recurring leitmotif of this show since we launched it, is that the left knows what it stands for, one, two, how to get there, how to actually implement power in a very concrete way, whether it is the old school congressional lawmaking process, whether it is at the state level, whether it is via the judiciaries, and certainly as the case may be here, certainly via the administrative state, they know how to weaponize the means to pursue their ends. I mean, to an extent, it's really just the old Alinskyite mentality, Saul Alinsky, that the means always justified the ends. The proper response is not for the right to go full Alinskyite. It is certainly not to go so morally relativistic or agnostic about any of this stuff and to kind of just let it all go and just mimic the left to ape their various insanity. But what I have been saying for years now is that the right has to respond prudentially by being more open-minded, more open-minded to using a slightly broader array of means to secure our ends. It's worth noting that when it comes to the DEI regime, at the very end of the Trump administration, it was the fall of 2020, our friend Chris Rufo was, and Russ Vote, if I recall, they were both active in trying to get the federal bureaucracy, the administrative state, from outright banning DEI throughout all of it and really just banning all this stuff that the Daily Signal is now reporting on here. That is a very straightforward and sound administrative decree, a regulation that certainly should be imposed on day one of the next Republican administration. The United States ranks 118th in the world for racial inclusion. This according to, and I am not making this up, the Othering and Belonging Institute. Yes, that is really not a Babylon B headline. The Othering and Belonging Institute at the University of California, Berkeley, which, by the way, you can find at belonging.berkeley.edu. So they have tallied for every year an inclusiveness index after what they say they have, quote, holistically analyzed the degree of inclusion and protections for marginalized groups across a range of social categories such as gender, race, religion, sexual orientation, disability. And they have concluded that the United States is 118th in the world when it comes to racial inclusion. I mean, I don't even know where to start. I mean, like I said, the fact that there actually is an offshoot of the taxpayer-funded University of California, Berkeley, called the Othering and Belonging Institute. The DEI, the ESG regime, this horrific woke mentality is just so ubiquitous on the American University campus. And it happens so quickly. I mean, for God's sake, I graduated college in 2011. I have virtually no memory of any of this stuff. Now, was there like a pro-abortion student group? Was there like a uh, a pro-democratic student group? Yes, yeah, sure. But none of this stuff was there. 
this is such a recent phenomenon, and so much I, I, I really do think goes back to the left just losing its everlasting mind at the beginning of the Trump presidency, certainly egged on even further by George Floyd and the BLM Antifa riots of 2020 there. But I have to say that if the United States is 118th in the world for quote-unquote racial inclusion, I, I mean, what are the other 117 countries above it? And I bet if you actually look through the countries here, I would bet my life savings on this. If you actually look through the countries there, you are going to find some countries that are actually, to use the left's favorite term, are actually more quote-unquote systemically racist than virtually any other kind of Western, North American, Central American style country. There are many countries in the world that actually do have something approximately relating systemic racism in place. I was in the Middle East last year. The United Arab Emirates, Qatar, a lot of these wealthy Sunni Arab states do have a caste system of sorts in place where they basically import large numbers of, of people from India, Nepal, uh, 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 countries like that who effectively serve as slave labor for a, a ruling Arab oligarch class. If I were going to pour over this ranking at a bare minimum, I, I would want to look to see where countries like that rank. At the end of the day, the fact that the U.S. ranks 118th in the Othering and Belonging Institute's racial inclusion metric, if it indicates nothing else, it is just a reminder that the left really just hates America. That, frankly, ultimately is what this is all about. Oakland's woke district attorney, Pamela Price, has a laptop stolen from her car in a smash and grab. So she was attending a domestic violence event at the time of the incident. She waited an hour for cops to arrive, and when they didn't, she reported the crime online. I mean... Well, once once again, just another headline here that to me just reeks of how is this not the Babylon Bee? How is this not parody? The DA, this is presumably a Soros-funded lefty, so-called light on crime, so-called progressive prosecutor, Pamela Price. Her laptop is stolen. She's supposed to be prosecuting the law. Her laptop is stolen. She calls the cops. They don't come for an hour and she reports the damn thing online. Look, in a sick, twisted sense, this is kind of the crazy nut job far American left getting a taste of its own medicine. And look, at a bare minimum, Miss Price, if you think that this shouldn't happen in America in the year 2023, if you have a problem with what you just experienced when it comes to the crime itself, when it comes to the cops not responding and any of the elements of what happened to you, do you think that the people who are less well-off or less well-connected as you, do you think that they want to deal with this either? And if the answer is no, then what are you going to do about it? Once again, we see the chickens coming home to roost there in the woke underbelly of Oakland, California. Finally, martial artists force change after transgender athletes dominate women's tournament. So Carissa Griffith a biological male identifying as female captured four gold medals at the Georgia Grappling Championship on October 21st, while, go figure, another biological male identifying as female, Cordelia Gregory, took home additional medals as well. What is there to say on this topic that has not already been said, but I just... Every time I see something like this, I always ask, where are the old-school feminist guys? You know, where are the 1960s era, 
you know, ERA, Equal Rights Amendments, those folks who are marching for women's equality, women's liberation, and X, Y, Z, those folks who were there 50, 60 years ago, do you not care that people without your chromosomal structure, that people, as the case may be, who may have actual penises, do you have an issue with the penis people defeating your people or your purported people, the women, when it comes to the things that women's sports was created to do, which is to allow a, a venue for women to compete as women. I mean, it, it's just disgusting. I, I do not have another word for this than disgusting. If you are a biological male, you compete with men. If you are a biological female, you compete against women. This is the most manufactured faux controversy that has hit the United States for years and years now. How many more biological females is it going to take when it comes to things like UFC and other kinds of violent sports to get their bones broken or, God forbid, their skulls fractured? How many more injuries is it going to take? for the transgender lobby to realize exactly what it has sown here when it comes to the issue of biological males competing in women's sports. 